Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, DJs and DJs of the future. This episode of the podcast is supported by Show Me The Sample, a YouTube series from myself and Dan Nightingale. Dan is a legend on the UK stand-up comedy circuit and star of the Have A Word podcast. We explore the samples that feature in tracks you love and the stories behind them. Just search Show Me The Sample on YouTube. You can find more episodes of this podcast, including chats with James Hype, Ben Hemsley, Night Funk, Nathan C. Gorp, and many, so many more. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and now, including this very episode on YouTube for that full video experience. Simply search Felix Leiter in the house or visit youtube.com forward slash DJ Felix Leiter. Subscribe hit that notification bell to stay up to date with new episodes. In this episode, I chat with Jackard about his memories of raving in the vibrant Midlands club scene, meeting Low Stepper and going on to be in his own DJ career. That led on to working with Low Stepper on his Simmer Black imprint and more recently with Defected for their new D4 Dance sublabel. Interesting and fresh perspective on the industry from Jackad and how to break into it. He's definitely one to watch out for, that's for sure. So, let's get into it. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are. Jackad, welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Yes, bro. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's been, um, it's getting near the end of the year. So we're recording uh, sort of mid-December. This might not make it out until next year, but it's been a fucking funny old year, mate. How has it been? Before we get into the, the nitty gritty of what you do, and it's super interesting, how has the year been for you? So like, so for example, if we'd done this chat January this year, like, you know, tell me what you would have maybe been saying your year looked like if we talk, talked in January. Yeah, um, to be fair, it's going to be probably the best year to date. I'm not going to lie. It was like set out. We had a lot of stuff like in the pipeline. Um, had uh, like the Boiling Points Hall with my boy Low Stepper. So we had that going around the UK. Um, and just like loads of parties all lined up, uh, ready to go. Um so yeah, it's obviously it's just one of them, and you can't do much about it. But um, I think I think you know all like all of this what's happened. It's actually gave me time to focus more on myself as a as a person. So you know, it's um, it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time. So yeah, yeah, I think so, and I've definitely found found that. And you've you've obviously we'll get onto kind of the defected stuff and everything else. How, how and we'll get onto how you became part of like Low Will's team, like Low Stepper's team. Um yeah. but what what have you what do you think you've done this year that you instead of talking about things that you know you didn't do and we can all talk about those, <laughs> what yeah. what did you do this year that's been a big positive that maybe you wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for the circumstances? Um, do you know what I think? Uh, really getting my head down into production, into the studio, um, it's gave me the time and the flexibility to just really, you know, crack on with it. Because uh, it was one of the things that I was, to be honest, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't focusing on it. I was just partying, having a good time with my mates. Um, and then this year, it's just gave me the chance to like reevaluate, um, and then yeah, just you know, start learning and obviously making the beats. So. Nice one, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that. Uh, we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, I want to take you. So I want to take you all the way back, right back before um, defected, right back before you know low stepper, right back before partying with your mates, <laughs> right back before pandemics, and just go right the way back to go. You know what we are. What were you hearing? musically as a kid like even before you're even choosing what to listen to what are your yeah. parents playing what's on in the house what's on in the car what are those really early musical influences which are kind of coming into your brain without you even being aware of it can you remember um do you know what i, I remember we always used to have a party i used to live at my nan's house for a bit and they always used to have a sunday party like all the like Neighbours would come round, family, friends, and that. It'd just be—I just remember as a young kid, it was a proper mashup. 
I think I was only about seven or eight, but I do remember some of the parties. And they're all always listening to like ABBA and you know a lot of eighties, a lot of eighties stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of like, the band's names now. Um, so yeah, it's a lot, a lot of eighties influence. You know, um, everything from pop to rock. Um, you know, a bit of jazz stuff like that. Um, it was just a mixture. So, Sounds wicked, mate. I mean, the thing is, like, so many times on this podcast, and even in kind of like you know normal life chatting to people, just yeah. he- just hearing about being together with people and listening to music you're like yeah. fuck that's not like i'd give anything to go to one of your nana's parties on sunday <laughs> you know what i mean like having spent so long without music in a social context like anything just sounds fucking great of course yeah 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 and like when you get older you start your mom your mom and dad and that start to tell you stories like um they're actually getting high like smoking <laughs> smoking weed and stuff like that i was like my granddad is such a legend like <laughs> I was so, like, that's exactly what I would have been doing. But um, yeah, it's um, it's good times in the past. So I pretty much, I pretty much grew up on all sorts of music. Um, can you remember the first bit of music? Can you remember what the first bit of music that was that was yours? Like now, this is you know you're you're younger than me, and you're younger than some of the guests that I have on here. Um, so yeah. this is an interesting you know an interesting question to you, like because maybe it wasn't a physical thing for you, maybe it was a digital thing. But can you remember the first piece of music that you? chose but you felt like it was yours like was it physical or was it a, d- a digital thing was it the first time you got an iPlayer or something like that or was it was it a CD or a record or a tape like can you remember yeah I, th- I think so I think it was I had this um, CD player in my room and I remember one Christmas I, I got a one of the now CDs mum bought me one of the now CDs and um, obviously they have a mixture of like everything on it and um, I think the but after that, I was hooked on. I was hooked on all that type of music, and then my first CD I bought myself. I think I was about ten or eleven. It was Fifty Cent, "Get Rich or Die Trying." Yeah, I remember that, the cover so blatantly from that one. <laughs> that whole album just sold it for me. I was like, "Yo, this is so dope, man! Um, this music's tight." And then it just it it stemmed from there, you know. And then it was like Gwen Stefani. I was just buying loads of CDs, all the now CDs, man. I was just listening to pretty much anything that kind of just you know gave enjoyment you know so mate which is such a wicked point about and then i think as like you know when you start to go to school and then all your mates are listening to different types of music and that a lot of it was actually quite um hip-hop orientated when i was younger um and a bit of grime as well uh it was just like the people that i was like hanging around with um and then it kind of it, it just like you know, as it evolves and escalates, and you meet new people and hear new sounds and stuff, I think it just snowballed from snowballed from school, and then well, yeah, we'll come back. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll come back to that because I want to. I want to ask you something else, yeah. which I think is super important. But I love that point you made, and especially speaking to someone who works in the industry. I mean, everyone that's on this podcast works in the industry. But the point you made about you know you're just getting a lot of music that gave you enjoyment, and I think yeah. like sometimes maybe it's just me. I'd be interested in your opinion on this. Maybe sometimes we get so caught up in the business side of what we're doing, we forget that that's the true fucking essence of it. Do you know what I mean? Like we get so caught up in trying to sell tours or how we look in a photo shoot or like, you know what I mean? Or what the deal is on the record, what the publishing is, what the, like what the promo budget is. And like, and that's all great because it's all part of, of our industry. But sometimes we just forget that that's the fucking purpose of music is to bring people enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think as long as you're happy listening to it and it, it makes you happy as well, and obviously as you're a DJ, if you're making everyone else happy, isn't that the whole the whole purpose of it all? Whether yeah. it's cool music or it's not cool music, you know, long as long as you're enjoying it, I think that's all that matters, to be honest. One thing that's come out a, a lot, and I guess it's an interesting point for you, juxtaposition because you've just really got into production this year which we'll talk about or really got had more time to get into it for, for, for that for that point but one yeah. thing that seems to come out time and time again like in this podcast like talking to people like Gop, talking to people like night funk like talking to people like james hyper whatever is like they sort of they sort of seem to hit the the vein of success with their music when they started to really make stuff that they loved as opposed yeah. to trying to make music that they thought they should be making to yeah. fit in 
with a label. Um, yeah. Oh, what's your what's your take on that? A as a producer and B as someone who works with labels now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think you know when someone's made a song through their own passion and because like you can hear like the creativity and the sounds and the flow of the tune uh, of the record it's just like I feel like it is important you've got to make what you want because I hear a lot of people saying oh yeah um, I found my sound and stuff like this and don't get me wrong a lot of people have broken through through their own sound but I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are also making whether it's house, tech house, techno, you know, they're all making all these type of genres and they're all really good. So I think if you're making something that gets you going and gets you excited and, you know, um, you know, ready to party, I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, man, I think that's a, a dope answer. I'm super happy that you gave that answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to, so then the next step, I kind of brought you back a little bit because and as someone who is a little bit younger than, a couple of my recent guests anyway, and who's younger than me, this question really intrigues me, like for you, which is like, when was the first point that you became aware of DJs? Like when's the first point that you became aware that someone's job was to mix and select records in in a way that would entertain people was it radio was it like was it a mate's house was it a gig like when was the first time that you really saw a dj or became aware that that was someone's job yeah um do you know do you know what i can't actually pinpoint an exact moment in time for it but i remember the first kind of um I used, to, I used to see, I think it was on BBC Radio 1, like Tim Westwood, you know, DJing for all like, the, the artists and that. And I, I, I never really batted an eyelid to it. I just thought, oh, that guy just playing a bit of music. And then, do you know what, I was, quite, I was quite late to the party. And then I started going to all these, like, uh, I think my first ever festival was Creamfields when I was yes. 18. Yes. And that, that just blew, blew my head off. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not surprised. And I like, yeah, that was it. It just everything just kind of blew up from that. So when did you? So obviously you were talking about, as I think a lot of people do, they start getting, um, you know, compilations and now, and that was a huge part of I think so many DJs' life. Like Nathan C shouted it out on this podcast, and he was like, he could name the, the he could name the version, like the CD that now he had. He could name the tracks that were on it. It was like Gina G, and do you know what I mean, and stuff like that. So I think they were a huge part of, of everyone's life. And you talk about Creamfields. Can you remember that point where there was a... Okay, maybe not a switch, but can you remember that point when you were opened up to more electronic music, whether it be house, tech, whatever, like your EDM, whatever it was. Can you remember when you were opened up to that more? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the set that really blew, blew my mind was, it was, it was mad to say, Tiesto. It was the, the whole performance, like the light show, everything. I was with like loads of my friends and my my family as well. And um, I think at that point, and then I just I fell in love with stuff. But the funny thing is, I was I was I've always been into kind of like house music and every type of genre. And I used to go to a lot of like um, I used to listen to a lot of um, David Gare, Afrojack, you know, like the EDM. I used to love that for about a year or two. And I'm not afraid to say it. No, no. For, for all the, uh, the house snobs out there. And then, um, I think it was my cousin's 19th birthday and he was like, oh yeah, you should come to, um, you know, the rainbow venues in Digbook. Yeah. That's more. He was like, oh, you should come to that. Um, and I think it was my mate, it was my mate's, um, event, Tom Shorters. I'm sure you've heard of him. And, uh, I went in, um, and then I just fell in. That that was when I fell in love with house music straight away. I think it was, it was the whole. I think I think Dusky was playing like the nice. Papa D house vibes in like 2014. I think it was, and uh, yeah, it was just it was the whole experience. Like walking in, like, obviously my cousin was a regular there, so we walk in, be saying hello to everyone, everyone's on a good vibe, the music's banging, um, and I just I fell in love. With, I fell in love with it right there and then. So that was it. Where did you see, out of interest, where did you see that Tiesto set? That was Greenfields. Is that Greenfields? No, yeah. I think it's. I think it's like it's just a really valid point, and and I'm glad that you you said it, and I'm glad that you said you know for the kind of house snobs out there because it was it was a huge, hugely influ- influential period 
within yeah. like in within in dance music and a lot of the times there are certain ways which a lot of people become part of our community or become part of the dance music community and it used to be a lot of people I speak to, and me included, was back in the day, it was almost bonkers. It was like happy hardcore stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And around the Northeast, like Makina. And it's like you kind of get into that stuff as a kid. People have yeah. got the tapes in the cars, like MCs, all that kind of stuff. And then it just opens the door to different genres yeah. that you didn't know before. And that doesn't mean anything's better or worse or right or wrong. But like it's important that I think you said that because it, it opens up so many people to then find even more stuff which is what's yeah, great about yeah. our scene yeah that is that is you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that one because like i've gone i've pretty gone through every, every genre and that's because of like as i've got older and i've met different people and people have been hanging around listening to different stuff like dubstep that was massive at one point you know like dj oh, i forgot his name now rusco or something and it was just it was, everything was popping at the time and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's like that in different genera- generations so yeah it's um i think it's just an evolution of you know you listening to different stuff whether you like it or not yeah and i think i think it was um scott scott diaz made like a really good point when we were talking about that time and he was saying that like but you can't forget that people like alessa and afrojack and guetta the music yeah. they were putting out, regardless of like how we look back and see it, um, you know, musically, if you will, but the quality of it was phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Scott Scott Diaz was saying like that shit Alessio was putting out was like can't make that like on one little laptop in your house. Like that's proper big fucking yeah. studio shit. Um, you know, like creating soundscapes, like to create music that sounds good on those on those Creamfields main stages and those Tomorrowlands main stages, like, it's not easy, <laughs> regardless of how we look back on it. Like, the sound, the sonics of it were pretty were pretty good. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, Manny. They haven't knocked that up in Ableton in a, in a day. On <laughs> no. a pair of headphones <laughs> on a train. No, that's definitely not, definitely not the sketch. So you went, to, you went to the Rainbow thing and you saw, you saw Dusky and stuff. Yeah. Where does where does your journey? Obviously, you, you know that's your journey as a as a fan, as a clubber. Do you know what I mean? We talked about yeah. Creamfields. Where yeah. does your journey as a DJ begin, or where does your journey within the industry begin? Like, obviously, you 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 know you saw that Dusky show. Something dropped in your mind. What sort of happened from you going forward from there? Yeah. Um... I think from then on, obviously, I fell in love with it, and then I started started to go to all the events. Um, and I was what my, my main biggest influences as DJs to get into what I was doing now um, was like Chris Lorenzo. Um, obviously, my, my boy Low Separate. It's mad to say I was watching him before I even like, met him properly. Uh, I mean, Asian Dance, Hannah Wants. You know, it was. It was all that like how deep house, um, jacking house, you know, G house kind of vibe, and I fell in love with it then. And I was I was raving for a couple of years, and uh, I got I got to like network and know people, um, and then one thing led to another. And I, I remember I was I was going to a gig with Low Stepper, uh, and you'll probably if you listen to this you'll probably laugh. And my mate was driving me and him, and then he was like. Yeah, Jack, you should become a DJ. Like, um, you look the part. You can mix, can't you? And I was like, Yeah, I'm all right. Like, I've been doing a bedroom DJ set for about a couple of years now. I got my own decks probably when I was like 21. Um, and then I was like, Yeah, why don't I just give it a go? You know. And then I got my first set. Um, I think it was uh, where was it? It was in Wolverhampton, just down the road from me. And then. Obviously, first set on, no one's in the club, you know, playing to no one. Um, and I was probably playing beats a little bit too hard for a warm-up set because I was, I was so oblivious to it, you know. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, yeah, I think just, things just snowballed from there, really. And then I started getting different different gigs because, um, yeah, I was, just, I was just networking, talking to people, um, just being a genuine down-to-earth geezer. It doesn't get you anywhere if you, you know if you're playing up but um yeah i think it just things just started to happen nice one man i want to take you back because there's a couple of things that i've not asked you probably correctly like or things i'd like to know anyway so 
decks-wise, yeah. you said you got some decks when you were 21. Yeah. What did you... What was your route into the equipment side of things? Like, what decks did you get? How, like, you know, like, did you get CDJs? Did you get a controller? Were you, did you instantly start on CD on CDs or were you on USBs? Like, what was your technically? What was your journey into DJing? Um, I think I was I was with my friends and it was a point where we were deep deep into raving every weekend and he was like, "Yo, we should we should we should um we should get some decks because my my mate at the time." He's still my mate now. He's one of my best mates. But um, he um, he was like, oh, yeah, we should get these uh, RXs, you know, the Pioneer RX controllers. He was like, uh, everyone's got these. I was like, right, do you want to go twos on them? So we just we, we paid half the bill each month. And then he taught me how to DJ, basically. So after, I think after about six weeks, two months, you know, uh, I, I, could, I thought I could, you know, do a half decent mix without almost messing too much up and then just practicing we used to just um go around his house on a friday night and just mix for hours you know and getting drunk and stuff and then yeah it was it was at that time where it was really innocent you know we didn't really think about doing it in the just for a bit of fun uh with your mates really and then It's it's something i've rediscovered like well not with my mates but it's something i've rediscovered this year because I got my 1210s like set up and everything else, but they hadn't really been touched for, for years, really. I was DJing out like three nights a week, pretty much on average, like for the last, whatever, 10, 15 years or something. So to be honest, like, you know, I'm not saying I don't need any more practice, but I was getting, I was sort of servicing my practice requirements. And if I had, you know, if I wanted to learn a new skill or if I'd seen a DJ do something and I was like, I would sort of just be practicing it on the fly while I was in the club, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's something that, probably even guilty of making if i needed a promo mix i was probably guilty of making that in ableton like you know what i mean just so i could do it quickly and, and use time when i was traveling or whatever and yeah. this year with the downtime and with not actually djing out something i've rediscovered is the, the joy of having a mix do you know what i mean like on a friday night or whatever or just going downstairs and pulling out some old tracks and and having a mix which sounds ridiculous to say as a you know whatever professional dj but because i was doing it so much in a work capacity i'd sort of stopped doing it as much i don't know if that's the same for for a lot of other djs but i definitely have rediscovered the joy of just having a mix (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, do you know what i I totally agree with you as well because it's almost sometimes i feel like there's almost pressure to perform but when you're doing it um you know, on your own, mixing whatever you want, when you want, you know, I think you rediscover that feeling of putting different tracks in with each other and, you know, just, just having to play around. And I think it is, it is good for the soul, man. It really is. I, I found it weird because I spent so many years DJing with my head up, like so many years playing a record and then trying to gauge the reaction of the record that I've just played and yeah. then trying to work out which record and two and three and four or even the direction of the set. Like I'm, I've spent so long like DJing like that, like looking up, try to gauge a reaction of a record and then try to work out where I want to take it and whether I want to pitch it up and try and get the energy going, whether I want to try and level it out because I'm, you know, I know what's going on or if it's a warm up, I'm trying to get it into a certain place for a DJ. And then yeah. like the first time in, you know, going back to March or April, the first time that I was like, I'm just going to go for it fucking mix do you know what I mean I found it <laughs> yeah. I found it weird because I was like I was like almost looking up it was just a wall I was looking at and I was like who what what should I play next it was like such an alien concept in my mind that I was like waiting to get a to, to gauge a reaction to know what to pull next and suddenly yeah. I was because even if you're making a, a promo mix for you know what station it's for you know that you've got a track to promote you know that you know what I mean yeah. or you try to promote your mates because they're also like got records out so even just having that mix for the first time in years it, the, the freedom of just picking out something I was like oh no I want to hear that now like I'll just play something I want to hear <laughs> which yeah. is weird yeah 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 I totally agree mate I totally agree um so how did you meet the other thing you mentioned there was going to a Obviously, like um, Low Stepper mentioned that, you know, you should give DJ a go and we'll come back to that. How did you get to the point of knowing, like meeting Will, who's Low Stepper? Like, because I know that I've got mates now um, who used to come to the club 
and then eventually they, they kind of will come into the side of the booth and then they were like chatting to me and then eventually I was like mate just come in the booth and have a drink and then like years later we're now like pals do you know what I mean so yeah. from your perspective how did that happen with with Low Stepper how did you meet him how did you become pals um it, do you know what it was it was um one of my friends met him at a festival in Amsterdam and because we're all from the same area, my mate was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're from we're from down the road from you, et cetera, et cetera. And then my mate was in really good shape. He was a personal trainer. And my mate, um, Stepper, was like, you should personal train me. I want to get into shape. So my mate started personal training him. Um, and then my mate started going to a couple of gigs with him because obviously we're into the music and stuff. And then my mate was like, do you want to come to um, – B festival with us like do you want to come out for the day obviously steppers playing i was like yeah i'd really love to um and this was like i think it was 2016 so i've been i've been out in the scene for a couple of years um and i was like yeah wicked let's do it and then that was it just hit it off from there and then obviously just become friends and then yeah things just you know organically become what they are now so nice one man and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that I wanted to ask you a little bit because every time you mention it, I just kind of <clears throat> takes me back to some of my misspent youth and also makes me just feel jealous that we can't be doing that shit this weekend. Tell me a little bit about those first forays into that kind of like I take it, it was a sort of Midlands scene. Like what were some of the first clubs that you were going to? What were some of the first artists that you were seeing at that time? Like just give us a little kind of overview of that. You know, you keep mentioning it every time you mention it. I'm like, oh, it sounds so good. Those, you know, you're like two, two years of, of, of raving, two years of clubbing. Like just give us a little overview of some of that, you know, that, that, that time stamp. Like who, what clubs were you going to? Shout them out. What artists were you seeing? Shout them out, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the main the main was main uh, club was Rainbow. Like that was the place to go. Um, and every week there'd always be something popping, uh, like uh, loads of different types of genres. Like whether it was it was tech or deep house or jacking. Um, and yeah, like I said, I was I was going to events. It was a lot of cause and effects. Um, like Chris Lorenzo, Hannah Wands, Low Stepper. Um, Irene Edge and Dance, Tom Shorters, for example, um, and all them, ta- them types of events. Uh, I went to Glass, Lab 11, loads, loads. That's like my second home now. Um, but yeah, um, trying to think where else. Uh, Void, um, which was the monastery. Yeah. Uh, that was a bit more of an underground kind of, you know, like deep tech, minimal type of vibe as well. And funnily enough, I actually really started playing out my first sets was that type of music. It wasn't, it okay. wasn't. Really so yeah, that's that's kind of where it all just it, it snowballed from. And then obviously, when you go to these events, you meet different people, and then you hear about different events, and you go and try them out. Um, and then yeah, I just did. Started. You do much traveling? Like did did it was a big thing? When, like when I was younger, like I mean, we didn't live in the Midlands to be fair. When it was such a big scene, but we used to go. You know, we used to go to Nation at Cream. We used to go out of London to Ministry. We used to go up to the Arches at Colours. Like, did you do much traveling to? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm keeping you within this sort of little two year period before like the, the you know the, the low stepper stuff. But like, did you do much traveling at that point, or was there just so much going on in and around Birmingham that you had enough events to go to there? Um, do you know what? We we did travel a bit, uh, but I didn't travel too much because, to be honest, I was broke. Like I had, <laughs> I had a dead job. I was spending all my money at the weekends. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think we went to Manchester, London a couple of times. Um, where do we go? Ministry of Sound in London. Um, went up to Manchester. To, went, went to Warehouse Projects yeah. when I was um, a couple of times. Um, but apart from that, it was. It maybe was maybe I think that's when you say apart from that. I think that's pretty pretty fucking solid list to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So DJ wise, um, I missed you. You cut out just for the tiniest of seconds when we were talking about this. You said like you start. So what were you sound? Were you playing out when you first got these gigs? You said your first gig I think was in Wolverhampton. What sort of sound were you playing out? Um, it was more. It was more kind of um, deep deep tech minimal kind of vibes. Um, yeah. And that was just the kind of the event that I got thrown into. Um, and then started started to play that. And then I got a few gigs off the back of that uh, for the same event. And then for a different a different event. Um, and then, you know, you, you just started to get op- different opportunities. People hear of you. Um, 
and then obviously you when, when like you know this firsthand when you get booked for a certain night or a certain gig you kind of research like the the artists that they've had and the vibe that they're playing so you can kind of you know blend it in so you're not going to turn up and play a house set at a techno night do you know what i mean so yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of just a mixture of things, but I did start off mainly quite deep and minimal, really. Cool. How did you then progress? I take it the next step was to be working more and more with Low Stepper within his label and stuff like that. Was that kind of the next step or were you doing, did you start running parties? What was the next step after the, getting those first few DJ bookings as your brand and your name is getting out there more? What was the next step in the industry? I, do you know what I think? I think the next part of that was when um, I, at the time I was obviously friends with uh, Stepper, and then he decided to start his own party uh, called Boiling Point. That's right. And he was like, "I want you to warm up," and I was like, "Yeah, we can't wait, man. Let's do it." And then um, it was at the, our home club, Lab Eleven, because I think Rainbow closed at this point. And uh, yeah, that was it. I played my first proper house warm-up set um and then yeah it went really well and then it just kind of everything just kind of went from there really i think um, they have some of my like favorite types of sets those house warm-up sets like don't you know we all love the kind of you know we all love the the, the, the you know the, the spotlight we all love the, the headline set or whatever but there's something so lovely about not feeling the pressure there's something i love being the person who plays who presses yeah. play when there's no one in the club, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if there's a queue outside the club, do you know what I mean? Though, like, and I've thought yeah. about this so much more in the last nine months than I used to think about it. But those, like, those nights when you know it's like it's either sold out or you know it's going to be busy. There's a doorman's like comes up and you're stood in the booth and there's there's no one really around. Maybe a couple of pals and the doorman's like, look, we've got to get open. There's people outside. And you yeah. know, I mean, and that that buzz of excitement and the sort of like the hair standing up on your neck. You might even sneak out to like used to be able to do it when well, you can do this in digital. You'd be you go to the balcony and you could see the club forming and you could yeah. see the queue forming. Sorry, and you could see the kind of you could hear the excitement and the fucking buzz in the air. And I used to love being like the person who would like press play on that first track. And yeah. um, those house warm ups where you just kind of get to put it in a groove and you sit there and you're not too worried about like the dance floor. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you want to entertain people, but the pressure of coming on at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. and knowing that you've got to just hit it from the fucking off, there's something yeah. lovely about that like groovy house warm up. So, like, they must have been wicked sets at Boiling Point. Yeah, I'll tell you what, do you know what, I really do love doing a warm-up set, like, it is it is something, it's an art as well, because you, you're playing at the start to no one, and it's the best feeling when the club's empty, and then a couple of people come into the room, you know, they've got their drinks on, right, and then <laughs> a couple more come in, and everyone's had a few more drinks, and then suddenly the dance floor's full. And, you've, you know, you've got the party going and it's a nice feeling getting everyone, you know, excited for the night ahead, really. That's yeah. that, that's your job in it, just to get everyone ready to go properly. So Yeah, and you can always have, like, I mean, I have probably infamous for this in digital, but then you can have a fucking, you can get loose as fuck when you're finished. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's, you're done. Like, I posted something the other day, which was like, the weekend just gone, like, last year. I did a warm-up for uh, Chris Lake and Salado. And it was just wicked. It was like, I did the first two hours, then Lakey was on. And then, like, by the time, like, the Salado boys got there, I was just fucking, I was having the time of my life. I was flying. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, and whereas I'm awful, like, I see some people, I get really envious of, like, these DJs. Like, I'm rubbish before I'm playing. Like, especially if it's a late one. Like, if I'm starting at, starting at one or two, or if you're at ministry starting at four, I'm just shit crack. I, I, I don't. I'm I'm anxious a little bit. I'm like I'm in my own head thinking about what I'm going to start with. I'm trying to listen to what the guy before me is playing to make sure I'm kind of getting in the right vibe. I'm like yeah. watching the crowd. So like something yeah, which is great about that warm up thing. It's just like you take your headphones out. Do you know what I mean? You high five him or whatever, and then you just like ah. <laughs> it's like. Do you know what? I, I'm really bad for that because I, I still love to party and enjoy my night. So it's, <laughs> it's almost a perfect excuse for me to do the warm up because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And I've got the whole night to enjoy it then. So, yeah, um, I'm terrible for that as well, mate. Yeah. So tell us about a little bit about the Boiling Point brand. Tell us a little bit about 
the idea behind it, the ethos behind it that, that you know, Low Stepper and yourself have created. Tell us a little bit about some of the favourite gigs that you've done on the tours. Um, yeah, just give us a little bit, a bit of, we'll come on to the label and stuff, but give us a little boiling point kind of synopsis. Yeah, um, I think I think it, it was just at the point in his career where he was right. He's, he's obviously playing all these good parties and doing the headline, you know, slots and stuff. And I think he was like, why don't I just, you know, do a party for everything around like my sound and the vibes that I want to give out to everyone. So I think he was just like, right, let's just let's just do it. Um, and obviously he started the brand. Um, I think the debut show was in was in Birmingham at Lab Eleven, which I played. And then um, I think the first year we did that, and then we did Manchester in Gorilla. Um, and the, yeah, both sold out, and it was absolutely it was it was so good because everyone's there for just that type of music. So you know, everyone's going to be really you know focused and enjoying that that night really. Because you know, when you've got events where there's a couple of different rooms and people are floating in and out, and they're kind of just mixing and matching. This was like all focuses on oh yeah, straight ahead, and that was it, head down, hands up kind of thing. It was it was it was mint. It was really good. Um, and then it was going to be the second year this year, so we had, I think we had like um, Village Underground in London plans. Um, I missed out on the one at Newcastle. That's right. York. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the quads. I think did Louis play that one? Uh, yeah, Louis Dunmore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he played that, um, and then we had obviously like Manchester, Birmingham, uh, and then somewhere else. I can't remember, but yeah, um, it was going to be a really big year as well this year. So yeah, I think that. Be- I think that. I think that that Newcastle show was right around when I had Louis on the podcast because because we. Because I think he just because we were trying to book him or we did book him, but we were trying to get him a date sorted for our little party just yeah. outside Newcastle. And in the end, I think lockdown lockdown got announced on the Friday night when we had Louis booked for the Saturday, the show on the Saturday. But I yeah. think we tried to book him for like a couple of weeks earlier, and he was doing the um, he was doing the show with 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 Low Stepper, and I'm I'm sure that. Yeah, I'm sure it was just around the time that I spoke to him because it was it was a wicked podcast. So shout out to Louis; he's, he's a top guy. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, your connection with the kind of Simmer Black family. Like, what do you what do you do as part of that family? Like, uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it was just like because obviously I was friends with Will and Wes, it was just like, we need, we got to the point now where we need you, we need someone to do the socials basically, because we're, we're too busy. And I was like, well, I'm always on bloody social media. So <laughs> I was like, you know, I'll do, I'll do it, whatever. Um, I'll help you out. And then it just, it just kind of, it went from there. Started doing all the socials for them. Um, and yeah, do a bit of A&R here and there. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was it was just to help out help out your mates really. Uh, so so let's get into. I mean, shout out to um, my boy Alex Preston, who's just been on the show recently. He's had a release on Simon Black real yeah. recently, and uh, Ryan S, who I'm doing a couple of tracks with, he's on that one as well. But if yeah. people don't know, because um, all kinds of people listen to this podcast, so if people don't know, shout out what it is, what it kind of like, what sort of tracks they put out there, what sort of artists are on the label, even shout out some of the social handles so people can check out your fine work. Um, yeah, just, t- yep. just t- tell us a little bit about what the label is and what it embodies. Yeah, so Simmer Black is straight forward, proper house music. It originally started as jacking kind of deep house vibes, but, you know, that that is the original sound, a bit of UKG inspired, you know, deep house vibes, but it is just proper good sounding house music really um you know whether it's a club track or whether you listen to it on spotify or on your run or whatever you know it's um it's that it's that type of label it's pretty diverse we've had we've had tech on it we've had um almost a little bit of like bass house kind of vibes you know it, it, it does it does range it's not one of those labels where it's got oh you got that certain type of hide hat on it you can't you can't be signed to it it's it's you know <laughs> It's pretty diverse, you know. It is good, but it's, it's originally all proper. Just it's good house music, man. That's that's how I can describe it. So, shout out the social so people can check out your work before I ask you about it. <clears throat> yeah, it's just uh, Simmer Black on everything. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, SoundCloud. You know, just check it out Simmer Black. And that's we'll it. come on to the defected like connection in a minute. But as far as Simmer Black goes, are you just putting out? 
videos of the track or like what's your thought process as someone who's managing the socials for a label because again part of the pot this podcast my idea when i first started it was to dig deeper behind a lot of people because as punters sometimes you only see a dj do you know what i mean we only see the the the, the image that we want to project but so yeah. many people in the image do in the industry do so much behind the scenes that we're not always aware of so yeah. some people might not have been aware that you you ran socials for labels so talk yeah. us through a little bit about you know what you're thinking about when you're creating content what are you trying to do um yeah just talk us through a little bit about what's going through your mind when you're doing stuff for socials for a label yeah i think i think you know it's it's got to it's got to attract people's attention right so because you know what you're like with your attention span you'll just flick flick up and down so it's, <laughs> it's it's you know it's got it's got to grab your attention right and i think half the time the music does that anyway if you got your phone on loud and you hear something cool you're gonna you're gonna watch it right but I think, you know, something that's engaging, something that's, you know, easy to watch and nice to watch, you know, I think I think people, obviously it's called social media, so people like to engage, you know. So obviously comment back and, you know, reply to people and, you know, you've got to make it a little bit more personal. Um, I, think, I think that really does help. Um, not feeling like the, the people on the other side of the the channel are a million miles away, you know. You've got to make it feel like it's, it's a community, right? So I, th- I think that's important, man. I really do. Cool. And obviously you've just, you sort of mentioned Wes, who works for Defected, and you obviously mentioned those step a lot. So, you know, congratulations on getting this gig working for Days for Dance, which is the new Defected sub-label yeah. or, you know, or however, it wants, however they want to, to refer to it as. What are the differences between running the socials for something like Summer Black and the differences between the between running something for Ds for Dance, like A, what are the differences with the sort of content that you might look to put out? And B, is there a difference? Like, do you have to... Because in the world of social media, and, and, and I would touch on this a little bit, sometimes you have to re- react quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes there's a trend. Like, obviously, I've run socials for clubs, for my own brands, for different brands. Sometimes you just tr- need to try and jump on something quick. Do you know what I mean? To get that early reaction before it's sort of... Because we know what it's like, especially in our industry, and we'll be the same with our feeds. We follow so many people, and so much of the same stuff gets shared by so many people. Yeah, so, yeah, like... Yeah. With Defected, like, do you have to run stuff past people before you can post it? Do you have the freedom to jump on something and just do it? And again, what are the differences between the content that you're looking to put out for, say, Simmer Black and Deeds for Dance? Do, do you know what? I think in terms of the difference between the both labels, I think it's the, the sheer size of Defected, you know, um, where, because when I started doing Simmer Black, it was kind of, I kind of got the ropes pretty quickly and I, I was I was left to kind of just do my own thing and you know advance on things myself um, and build it build it up through my own kind of you know creativity and stuff like that and I was I was given all that freedom to do so um, and I was watching obviously what other people were doing so I'd look at labels that are doing better than us I'm going what are they doing that we're not doing um, and then obviously when I started doing uh, bits for D for dance um, it was it was obviously just a bigger team. So obviously I've got um, guys from Defected because it's a sub label. I'm talking to them and then learning from them how they do things on their channel. And it's it's yeah, it's it's just a process of learning how other people do stuff. And I, I'm learning every every day. Um, and it's it's just stuff just gets better and better because you know you're putting out more stuff, more engaging content, which is what you want. So basically on social media, the more people engage with it, whether they're sharing it to their mates they're saving it to their phone that's going to get a better reach basically because more people are, are liking it so that that's pretty much what it boils down to and it all comes to that a word doesn't it, it all comes back down to the algorithm the a the a that rules us all cool man well let's come back to to your to your stuff i mean let's talk about you getting into production and furthering that production there might be some people out there who are listening who are thinking oh it'd be wicked if I could get into production like talk me through your journey like talk me through like what was the first bit of software that you opened up and decided to use what were you trying to do did you do any online courses did you get any tutoring from anyone um just yeah explain it in a way that if someone's out there listening going fuck I'd really like to get into it in the next you know in 2021 tell them about your journey um 
do you know what? It's, it's pretty simple. I I researched the best doors to use, software to use. Um, and funnily enough, I didn't choose the two top ones. I chose uh, what my mate was using. Um, it's called Cubase. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. But there's probably a lot of people that don't know about it. And I just started, I taught myself. I just started to um, play around with things. Obviously, when, when you've been DJing for a while, you kind of, you know, you've got the basic concepts of like the kick, the clap, the, kick, the, clap, the um, snare, the hi-hats, etc. And I just started trying to make some grooves and then it, it just kind of snowballed from there because I know, I know the sounds that I like and then started to watch stuff on YouTube as you do. Uh, and I'm all self-taught. I didn't get any lessons or anything. I sat, um, I've sat in a few sessions with um, really good artists, but I've never actually, you know, like kind of collaborated with them. I was just sitting there while they were do- finishing up some bits and that. Um, so, yeah, like it was... It was just a process of learning, really, for me, because I thought, I thought, if you don't teach yourself now and go, you know, go all guns blazing into it, you're never going to do it because there's there's so much to learn, and it's a massive learning curve, as you know, mate. It's like there's so much information out there, you know, and you just got to kind of figure out um, what works for you. And I'm learning every day. I, I'm just my software. I'm still getting used to it after yeah. a year. You, it's what it's one of them. I think it's going to be a long, a long kind of process to get to where I want to be. But um, in terms of like what I've been doing for about a year, like I'm really happy with with how it's going. So and I think the last thing I saw of yours was was it called Sexy Groove? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, t- yeah. tell us a little bit because I really love that man. So tell us a little bit about about that record. So that was that was when I first. I think that was when lockdown first hit, right? And we had all this time in the world. <laughs> and I was like, right, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> and um, it was, I think it was really sunny. It was really nice weather. Like, we had really blessed weather in, like, I think it was March, April time. And I was just sitting there uh, on my back trying to make some beats. And I was like, let's make a really nice summer tune, you know, with some nice synths and stuff. And I found these vocals um and it was just it was just sexy man i just love sexy sexy house music it, it, you know it's it's what, what i do so it, it just sounded nice everything just come together really well um and it was it was something that didn't take long you know when something just naturally yeah naturally just happens and it was it was one of them just for right this is cool i'll put it out there no, so, it's, it's, it's funny because exactly the same thing you said i think i was I think it was probably around April time and I remember having this really great weather which is you know weird for April or whatever we're in lockdown and it was like I remember like getting this old disco tune out that I've always loved and I was playing around with this disco tune and I made a bit of a kind of really basic kind of edit on Ableton of something that I could just play out obviously I didn't know why I was going to play it but I was like you know something that I could play with and then I was like oh it'd be really cool to do something with a bit of this sample so I started chopping it up finding little bits that I liked and then uh you know I hit Maitland up and I was like because I'd worked with Maitland on everything and I was like Mark I kind of want to come in and like work on this on this tune so we got in there and we started mucking about with this sample and we started putting some more drums to it and then we were like oh it'd be cool if we didn't use the vocal we got like an original vocal for it so like got like these these two vocalists called the Melody Men who were women I don't know what their names for Melody Men but so got them <laughs> to do the vocal for it but what my yeah. point of the story is is like we were just work. We were just pretty much, and then then I kind of like hit my mate up Lefty, who was on the podcast as well, and I was like, oh, I've, I've got this half idea, but I'm not sure where I'm going with it. You know, what yeah. do you think? And he was like, he was like, give me some pointers, and then I was just like, dude, do you want to just jump on it and do some guitar for it or something? Because he's like a stupidly talented musician, and yeah. we were just the point of the story is though, it began on a really sunny day in April, and I was I, we were just pretty much finishing it yesterday like in the studio and my point is is like the day that it started I was like I want to make something fun and happy and like disco-y <laughs> and like as I walked out the studio at about 20 past five it was like driving rain pitch black and yeah. uh, and I was like <laughs> made this I started this on a sunny day and like now we're making disco in the pitch black obviously there's no windows in the studio but yeah it's cool it's got a nice disco groove but just when you said that it was just funny how it started on a sunny day in April but it was sort of wrapped up on yeah, a fucking yeah, yeah. cold rainy day in december but um 
it's just how it goes, really. So what are you, what are you looking at now? Like we, like you say, we're, we're mid December. What is 2021 looking like for you as far as what are you hoping to do DJ wise? Uh, and what are you hoping to achieve through <clears throat> Boiling Point, Simmer, D for Dance? What are some of the things that you've got as goals and what's your vision for next year? Yeah, I think I just want to, in terms of myself, um, I just want to grow as a person, whether it's um, like my music quality in the studio. It, it would be cool to get some tunes out. Um, but do you know what? Um, I'm not in a rush, you know, to like, I know there's a lot of people out there. I'm not going to drop any names because I'm not that type of person. But I feel like people are trying to make music really quickly and release just to stay relevant. Yeah. And I think that's not a bad thing, but it's also, you know, you got to make sure you, your music's right and it's at, at a certain quality, right? So yeah. I think I'm just going to see how it goes in terms of that um, and see where we're at next year. Um, and I think in terms of the parties, I just want to just want to play really full. I just want to play a party, basically. <laughs> that. That's it. That's it. Just get me like, out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, hopefully, go to IB for if it's you know if it's going to be open and that. Um, yeah. I was looking to do a season at some point out there, um, whether it be next year or the year after or whatever. We'll see what happens. So, just kind of play, playing it by ear with all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, in terms of like business and socials with like the labels, it's you know we just got to keep putting out um, quality records um, and pushing that as well. Obviously, getting it to the right DJs and artists and radio stations, and yeah, just just growing the brand as as best we can. So nice one, man. I think you make a a super super valid point about the the rushing the music thing, and it's something that I admit I've only learned in the last year or two like i was definitely part of that make a record get a record out shout about a record start making another record get a record out shout about a record i was definitely on that that rush train like and the one thing that i've learned it's sage advice from you and and one thing that i would pass on from my experiences like especially the last year which is you know this year now, take take your time because because one good record is better than five like fine records yeah, um, yeah and the other thing i mean again we were just we were like the other thing i've really learned is is to live with records a little bit like i used to be super guilty of working on an idea taking it to maitland maitland like saying that it was finished getting out the studio at like six o'clock on a thursday night hairing home and then like opening my laptop and sending it to every fucking a and r and dj that i could bother with it and like and then like what would irrevocably happen is like on the saturday i'd play it in the club or something and go oh that that bit's a bit shit or like we need that to be shorter or like and like the one bit of advice i would give is is like live with your records a bit like if you think it's finished don't listen to it for a week and yeah. then come back to it and listen to it again. And if you still think yeah. it's finished, then great. But very rarely does that happen for me. Like if I leave something for a week, almost always I'm like, oh, I just want to tweak that a little bit. Or maybe if let's try something here. And like this record that I'm doing with Ryan at the minute, I was like, I was pretty much like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I was like, that is, that's done, mate. That is nailed. We've, we've killed that. And then yeah. lived with it, worked on some of our ideas sat and listened to it like three days ago and I was like, that needs, just needs some textures. It just needs a couple of little bits of like ear candy here and there. It just needs a little bit of depth there. And we spent like five hours on it yesterday and suddenly it sounds like a fucking different record again. Um, so yeah. I just think it's, I think it's phenomenally sage advice from you from just to be, have a little bit more patience with your records. Don't rush it out like for the sake of a social media post. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think going back to not rushing it as well is like I've got I talked to a lot of people that have have been there and done it so I've got like you know advice from like mentors if you want to say that you know telling me you know all these like bits of advice that not a lot of people get to hear yeah. um, and I'm guilty as you mate I'll, I'll, I'll make a beat I'll be like yo this is so this sick. is sick I, this is it I've, I've killed it I've, I've, <laughs> I send it to everyone and see what they say and then come back to it a week later and you go, hang on, this sounds dead. <laughs> because it's all fresh in your ears. And you're like, okay, this is, this is new, I like this. 
And then you come back to it and you're like, oh yeah, I could have done a lot better on that. So It's because you've been listening to it on loop. You've been listening on, to like yeah. four bars or 16 bars on loop for six hours and it just imprints on your brain that yeah. it's the greatest fucking thing ever. <laughs> and then you have like a week of listening to other stuff and you go, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I listened to like an Armin Van Helden track and like, I'm going, shit. <laughs> Who was I talking to about that? I think it might have been Siege the other day. I've got a couple to drop before yours. And we were like, I think we were talking, oh yeah, we were talking about Dennis Ferrer. And we were just like, I was like, oh mate, don't mention Dennis Ferrer. I was like, we wrote this track and thought it sounded great. Then yeah. we stuck a Dennis Ferrer record on. We're just like, right, fuck. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, we're like, fuck um cool man well i want to do some things to to start to wrap it up but before we do hit me with um your socials if people want to find out more about you your music check out what you're doing hit us with some of those man yeah straightforward man it's uh jack art music on everything across the board so instagram facebook twitter soundcloud Mixcloud, I've all made it really easy for everyone. So Jack R's music and yeah, you'll find me all on there. You're, you're one of those people I'm envious of who got to like create their socials with like a a fucking depth of knowledge about social media because you're just fucking like younger than me. And B, you were clever enough to realise that you've got to brand yourself across every platform the same. Yeah. Like and because also when you did it, all the platforms existed. Whereas like when I was doing them as they were coming along and wasn't thinking about it. So like mine are just all fucking all over yeah. the place. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm envious of that simplicity. Um <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with some just some quick fire questions. You don't have to answer with one with one, one word or anything, but they're just some cool things to like, what part of the thing I like to do to finish. So let's just say COVID's fucked off completely. We're back to normal parties. We're back to crowds. We're back to all that. Don't know when it is. We're not getting into that, but we just got this weekend. Um, it's all fine. It's all good. You know, safety's cool. All that bullshit out the window. You can go and do a party. Let's just say it's a boiling point and point party. Let's just say you, do, you well, you, you can, you can pick. I'm not going to put more words in your mouth, but let's just say it's a boiling point or something. What's the first record you're going to play back after COVID? What's the first record you want to drop in a club? So it doesn't have to be a warm-up set. You could be playing later or whatever. But what's the first record you just like, yes, that is the fucking track I'm going to play first in a club again after COVID? Oh, I don't know, man. But I think one of my favourite 90s tracks at the moment is uh, Grandpa Sound of Music. You got it. Um, do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ah, uh, yeah. I could just dance that all day. So cool. Let's, feel, yeah. Let's go Stop. for that. Let's just say as well. Again, all is fine. Again, this weekend, tonight, tomorrow, you're back. But because it's my podcast, I get to set the rules. You've got to do a back to back. Who's your dream back to back with? Literally, you can pick anyone you want, dead or alive. But tonight or tomorrow night in a non-COVID world, you're going to do a back-to-back set with them. Who is that artist? How many? How many? How many back-to-backs is it? I'm is giving you. Like... I, I'm giving you. I, I, normally, it's one, but you, it's your answer, so you can do what you want. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? I don't. I don't have one because I've got too many. Too many artists that I absolutely love. Um, do you know what? It'd probably just be the whole defective crew on a cool. massive. Uh, yeah. A massive defective back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> has the beam, and you've mentioned a couple of them, but I would like you to shout it out again. Has the beam almost one single party that you can name as the most influential party that you went to and it really changed your life and opened your eyes? Uh, it's got to be... Um... 10.31, so big up to Shorters and Will Power and all that in Birmingham, man. Changed my life, that. So, yeah. That was nice one. Um, track. We're going to just roll on from the party question into a, a track. Is there a track that has influenced you the most? Like, is there a track that has influenced your DJing, has influenced your production? Like, is there a track that you just would never get sick of listening to, always come back to, have taken a lot of inspiration from? Is there a record like that? Um, uh, oh, it's difficult to say, but I think the one tune that does stick into my head when, I, when it first, you know, when I first kind of, kicked off partying and DJing and stuff it was I mean Edge and Dance Lost yeah proper deep house vibe like that I remember li- listening to that um, I think it was at Hideout Festival 
in the sauna and it yeah it just blew blew my mind so i love that one nice so, one man um gonna take you back to that same question and you might just drop what is the obvious answer but i'm gonna still ask you the question again covid's gone maybe it's next summer you get an email or a, a, a text through or something and you've got a gig and you're going to warm up for someone just as we were saying before that lovely self-indulgent feeling of being able to play like a really cool groovy set that you know exactly what you want to play you're not going to have to tailor it to anything you're just going to get to play exactly what you want and then this DJ is going to come on after you and you just know that you can unplug your headphones and just get loose you're either going to be in the booth watching them or you're going to be on the floor having the time of your life who's the DJ oh um do you know do you know what it's probably quite stereotypical for a lot of people out there but you probably jamie jones man from nice it'd be cool man it would nice be cool. man well i'm down with that okay i'm yeah. going to try and frame this is the last of the quick fiery questions i'm going to try and frame this on some of your answers <clears throat> from from the from from the chat it's back in March. Maybe it's that Friday night when Big Boris announced the uh, the lockdown. Let's just say, I don't know if you've ever done this, but let's go with me here. Let's just say you are finishing, you're closing, you're on after Low Stepper, one of the Boiling Point pies at that club. What's the club in Birmingham that you said was kind of your home when you did the first one there? Uh, Lab 11. Yeah, so you're in Lab 11. You're closing. Everyone in there, it's packed Everyone in there knows that we're going into lockdown as of when this club closes. So, and you now have the benefit of hindsight to know that we're still fucking in December and, you know, no records being played in Lab 11 again. What's the last track that you play knowing that this is going to be the last track in a club for a while? Uh, Strings of Life. Boom. Take that. Okay. Going to give you now, Jackard, I want you to curate... A dream gig so basically you're gonna to have to give me a venue it can be a venue that you know like lab 11 it can be a generic thing like a main stage festival it can be you know a basement club be whatever you want it to be but we need a venue and then we're gonna get three acts it's not so much a warm-up and a middle and a headline it's more just like you know three acts are on it can be anything you want it can be back-to-backs it can be dj sets you can play you cannot play it can be bands it can be whatever the fuck you want it to be it's just you're in this moment right now. It's just your dream gig that you're curating. So, Jacka, where's it going to be? Uh, it's going to be. <laughs> uh, it's going to be in LA. Nice. On the, on the, on the beach. Nice. Uh, who's who's playing? We're going to have Oasis. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have me. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to have Justin Bieber as well. <laughs> nice, mate. That is. That is one of the more eclectic dream gigs, but I'm still fucking loving it. Nice one. Right, mate, this is the last thing I'm going to ask you to do. On the audio version, this is going to play out with a track that you're about to choose, and uh, I will link it in the YouTube version. So we've been chatting for now. It's been wicked. I've really enjoyed it. But I want you to choose a track to play out. So people are listening. We've heard our chat, and I want you to choose a record that's going to play out the podcast. Um, Introduce it. It can be something of yours. It can be something old. It can be something new. It can be something you heard yesterday. It can be something from back in the day. It can be whatever the fuck you want. It's just a little bit of musical ear candy to play out the podcast. I'd like you to introduce the record and tell people why they should listen and check it out. Oh, put me on the spot here now. Um, Let me just think. I'm going to pick uh, Defidant's uh, new one, No Stepper, with Keeping It Heal and Michael Walls on the remix, uh, Fresh Out and Defidant. So, yeah. Nice one, man. Couple of, couple of local Northeast guys as well, which is wicked yeah, on, 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 on the remix. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, nice, yeah, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat. I've really loved it, and uh, I'll catch you soon, man. Hopefully, after the COVID's fucked off, uh, I'll catch you in IB for or something. Yeah, man. Big love for having me on the show, bro. I really appreciate it. And it's been, yeah, been dope to talk to you, man. So, yeah, thank you very much. Felix Leiter's In The House, the podcast about DJs, what they do and who they are.
I promise to be true.